afternoon and welcome to The Marriage Project, where we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage and how that translates into real life. You are here with Chapo. And with Bethany. And you are listening to Faith FM. Now, this afternoon, we are going to be talking about grace-based marriage. We're going to be talking about what it means to be a person of faith who is married. How the grace that we've received from Jesus translates into our married life and in that relationship that's the most important of all of our relationships and how we treat one another. We're going to be looking at that in three key areas. In the area, firstly, of imbalance, when things aren't equal, when life throws a curveball at you, um, when your partner falls down or when you've got a level up on them. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Um, showing up, secondly, will be the next part that we talk about, how to show up, how to show up as a person of grace in your relationship okay. and how to treat your partner. And then honouring your spouse as well and what that looks like will be the final thing that we talk about. Awesome. Well, um, we might get straight into it. Sounds fantastic. So, first of all, I wanted to say that as a married person, yes, the first person that we get to practice our faith with is our spouse. Yeah. So, as a Christian person, as a believer, the first place, the first environment that we get to practice how we live out our life as a person of faith is in a marriage. That's true. And often we probably think that um, expressing grace or showing grace is something that we do for others and maybe to the neglect of the people that are closest to us. Yeah. And we think that those things that Jesus called us to do and told us of a way to live and a way to live in like community and love with other people – yeah, often we overlook it in the places where it matters most. And I know that you and I are both guilty of that in our church work as local church pastors, that there have been many times where we have given to others at the expense of our home life and our married life. And we've given the best to other people and we've come home with not much at all to give to the person that God has given us to live with in our home. Yeah, it's an unfortunate reality, Mm. um, whether you're a believer or not, that often it's the people that you love the most that you treat the worst. Um, Not intentionally. But it's because maybe you expect an element of forgiveness or maybe you don't treat it with the same um, pressure or emergency as you treat the needs of other people. Um, But often, yeah, we give our our worst to the ones that we should be giving our best to. And maybe also because the people that are nearest and dearest to us are the people who've seen us at our worst and we know will love us anyway. And so then maybe we take that for granted sometimes as well that – you know, this other person that doesn't get to see all of me, they might not love me, but I know that this person will. Yeah, that's right. Um, but then often that comes at the expense of marriages over time, and it can cause erosion yeah. as well if we are constantly in that mode, if that's our default mode to treat our spouse in that way. Now, I want to be clear as well right from the start today, what we're talking about is a marriage that is fairly functional and fairly normal. Absolutely. That we're not talking about a situation that has coercion, a situation that has abuse Abuse, or addiction. Addiction um, or, yeah, a long-standing, like, serious issues. We are not talking about having grace in situations that are not safe. Yeah. Yeah. And if there is a problem with safety inside of your marriage, that you need to seek outside help for that as well um, in the appropriate channels. So make sure that you do that if you're not safe or if your marriage is not okay. And I'm a big believer that even when your marriage is good, if you do come up against obstacles that you're finding it hard to get around, put your hand up and find ways that you can get help as well. I know that you and I, chaps, we've been to marriage counselling and we've had um, marriage retreats and enrichments that we've done just to make sure that we're building those strong foundations and figuring out ways to get past some of those um, 
obstacles that are hard to get around in marriage. Yeah, that's um, right. We always have a joke that um, we always have the exact same fight over and over again, but in different ways. We talked um, about that last week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, we were talking about it on just the other day with your brother. He was like, oh, what do you guys fight about? And um, and I said, we always fight about this. And they've only been married a little while. And they said, oh, we don't know what we fight about. I said, it'll keep coming back. You'll yep. find out soon. <laughs> and so um, often we find that we have those areas of gridlock that we come back to over and over again. Mm. And um, so if you do need help working through it, most certainly put your hand up and find somebody who can help you through that. There are some beautiful um, relationship counsellors and coaches that can really help you to make headway in areas of gridlock or conflict that you can't get around in yeah, your relationship right. as well. Yep. But so what we're talking about is in marriages where you're just the everyday, um, not um, really difficult, not really um, not okay marriages, yeah, just yeah. your everyday standard marriages. Yeah, a situation where things are safe. Safe. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So... Um, I guess before we go any further, if we're talking about grace-based marriage, we need to actually make sure people understand what grace is. Yeah. So, grace is huge when it comes to Christianity because it is the core of what we believe. I've got a really great quote here. Grace is the opposite of karma. Karma is all about getting what you deserve. And grace is about getting what you don't deserve. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, yes, a lot of people have an understanding of what karma is, you know, what goes around comes around, like... You don't, know, don't worry, a bad thing's going to happen to that person because they did a bad thing to you. Yeah, what, what you give, you get back in yeah. some way. Whereas grace is the opposite of that. Grace. grace is the God of the universe who was bigger, more powerful, and better than us ultimately, came down and sent his son to die on the cross for us because we couldn't attain perfection or goodness in and of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to share a verse, actually. Are you? Yeah. Wonderful. From 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, because it sums up the idea really well. Yeah. It says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. But Mm. strongly brings out that idea that uh, what we have received as believers and what we have received from Jesus was not because of what we have done or our own accomplishments or something we have earned. It was purely because he has given it to us um, in grace. Yeah. Grace really goes against fairness. Yes, it's not fair at all. Which is a challenging idea, the idea that God is not fair. And that can sound confronting until you think about, well, fairness implies that what you get, you deserve. You know, Mm. this is fair, that's fair. Mm. And grace goes in the face of what is fair. And it's about treating someone in a way that they don't deserve to be treated because of the goodness of who God is. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So, grace is that picture of God's love. God's goodness and the gift of eternal life is something that we receive not because of anything that we've done or anything that we've earned, but because of what God has done for us That's and because right. of his great love for us. And the, the biblical idea is because of everything that has been done for us in the name of Jesus, what we have inherited and been given access to because of the love of God displayed through the grace of Jesus Christ, he then calls us to live graciously. So, live graciously to other people just like you have received grace from me. And it it gets worded so many different ways, you know, because you have been forgiven, be someone who forgives. Right. Because you have been received kindness, be someone who shows kindness. Uh, Many different ways it gets worded, but that same idea that because we have received grace, we are called to... um, 
exhibit grace yes, to others. Yes, that's right. So not only is it given from God to us, but we are a channel of how God uses that for his kingdom in the earth all around us. Yeah. yeah. And so we want to talk about, well, what does it look like to be a channel of grace in your home, in your marriage? Yes. Yeah. In the place where we live and operate and feel safe and come home to at the end of a big day. That's right. How does that work and what does it look like? Yeah. Well, um, we're going to get into that a bit more shortly, but right now we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with you soon. This end of financial year, you can support people to overcome despair, unemployment and poverty. Thanks to a federal government initiative, every dollar you donate to ADRA can be matched by 10 times that amount. So even the smallest donation can make a big difference. To donate, call ADRA on 1-800-242-372. That's 1-800-242-372 or go to adra.org.au forward slash donate. You are listening to The Marriage Project with Chapo and Bethany, where we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage and how that translates into real life. And we have been talking about grace in marriage. That's right. Before the break, we talked about grace and what that is and what it means to a Christian person that Jesus died on the cross for us and that we didn't do anything to deserve it, that we didn't work in order for God to love us or to want us, Mm. but that he gave his love and his eternal life to us. And so now we're going to talk about how does that look in our marriage life? How does grace play out? And the first area that we want to talk about today is when there's an imbalance in your relationship. And again, we're not talking about a toxic or abusive or addictive situation. We're just talking about your everyday life situation with your spouse um, and how an imbalance can play out. Okay. There's a really- What do you mean by imbalance? Okay. So maybe sometimes there's one partner who is stronger than another, one partner who's more stressed than another, one partner who is more vulnerable than another, one partner who's struggling more than another. So you're talking about like a a fluctuating, um, like how things change and sometimes- one person is coping with life better than the other. Is that kind of where, where yeah, you're coming from? Yeah, I yeah. would say so. Yeah. So definitely that idea that um, everybody's not always on a level playing field. And yeah. so therefore we need to extend grace to our partner when we're the one in the greater position of power. Okay. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So there's a really beautiful story in the book of Joshua in the Bible, and you can go and read it later, but I'm just going to recap it for you. It's about a woman called Rahab. Mm-hmm. Now, Rahab is a prostitute. And there are spies who are sent into her city to find out about how they can win against the bad guys. And they go into this city and they end up being looked after by Rahab and she hides them in her house that when the government officials come around looking for these two spies to kill them and to take them to the king, she says that she hasn't seen them and she covers up for them and she hides them on the roof of her house. Right. And then when the men have gone, she brings the two spies down and she says to them, I believe in the God of Israel that you serve. I believe in the God of heaven and I believe that he is real and he is merciful and he is wonderful. And I want to know more about him and I've heard about him and I've been waiting to know more about him. And she says to these spies, I have done a good thing to you. I have shown favor to you and goodness to you. And now I'm asking that you also extend that same kindness to me. Okay. Now, the word that she uses there when she's asking them to do her a favor is the word chesed. 
Chesed. Chesed. Okay. Chesed. It's, it's a common word. We use it regularly, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, every yeah, day. Yeah. So this is a Hebrew word. And Hebrew is a beautiful language with lots of those lovely guttural sounds that go in there. And the word chesed is used a lot in the Bible. And it means um, often it's translated as mercy or loving kindness. Right. Um, kindness. And often we see it um, translated as a characteristic of God as well. Yeah. But it's more than that. It's actually something that came from a contract in the ancient world. And so what it would mean was that when somebody was struggling, they would approach somebody who was in a greater position of power right. and they would say to that person, Show me your chesed. Okay. And enter into a contract with me where I, as the weaker party, am asking for your mercy and your favor. Yep. And you, as the greater, usually a leader, a more powerful, more wealthier king, right. show me your favor and your grace and give that to me. And I'm asking you to bestow it upon me. Okay. Yeah. So, what does this all have to do with marriage? Like, <laughs> this is Hebrew words, Old yeah. Testament. Yeah, yeah, so I'm a bit of a Bible nerd and it's all coming out. Prostitutes, like what, <laughs> what's happening here? And so basically it's just that idea that when one party is um, weaker yep. and one is much stronger and has more, I guess, balls in their court, yep. they are asking them to show them kindness and favour and mercy. And that same word in the New Testament is translated into grace. It's okay. basically an operation yep. of what does grace look like. It looks like this kind of a contract, this kind of a favour, yep. this kind of relationship that you enter into with a person. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. more so. Yeah, so, so the idea of where... Someone needs something from someone else who can provide it when they can't provide it themselves. Yes, exactly. Right. And there's no way that they can give that to themselves. They have to ask for it and enter into this contract so the person can give it to them. Okay. Well, well help us understand yeah. how this applies to what happens in our life, in our home, in our kitchen, with <laughs> my dirty clothes on the floor and, you know, things like that. So the reality is that you're not always going to be in the same headspace, in the same physical space, or in the same life space as spouses. Yeah. The reality is that you come and go from your home and you bring work, you bring children, you bring life and the everyday dramas of life into your home circumstances. Yeah. And what that means is that every now and again, one partner gets hit in the guts with life in a bigger way than the other does. And I think it's really important that when you're the person who is in the position of um, what is greater or bigger or more powerful. And maybe that just looks like what is normal. What's like, normal? Like, yeah, like, when you're like, not the one who's not kicking the guts. Things have not been affected. Like you're still cruising along where the other person is limping, struggling, they've gone through something big. Yeah, if your partner's falling down. Yes. Maybe that. Yeah. Um, how can you treat them with grace? Yeah. How can you respond to them with grace? How can you make sure that you're not lording it over them and being like, oh, come on, you can, you can do life, you can do better than that. Yeah. But actually, how can you respond to them in a way that says, I see you in your pain, in your struggle, and I'm coming alongside you, and I'm lifting you up, and I'm not punishing you for the place that you're in right now yeah. as well. Um, a time when this was really big for us um, in our own marriage was when I had a mental breakdown. Mm. So, um, I've you know, battled with anxiety and depression for many years. And there was a particular time where it just really was overwhelming and got on top of me to the point where I could barely function. That was and huge for us. It was huge for us. Mm. And, um, but I was out of the game for a lot of the stuff that was normal, uh, day to day living experience type stuff, parenting stuff, sharing things in, in the home. And that was a time where you showed that grace. It wasn't fair. 
it wasn't fair in any way. Um, but you showed it out of mercy and out of grace. Yeah. And, and the same for you. Um, times where you've had postnatal depression, for example, and yeah. you haven't been able to cope with the same amount of strength and, um, consistency as other times. And I've been able to offer the same thing that you've offered me. Yeah. And when your partner is going through a time like that, it's not a time to be saying, Hey, I did the dishes yesterday and it's your turn to do them today or, hey, I've changed this many nappies and you need to do this, but rather going, well, what can I do that's going to benefit my partner because they're going through this difficult time at the mm. moment as well? Yeah. Um, which can be really hard because, it, like you said earlier, grace is not fair. Yeah. And um, sometimes in our relationships we want to keep that running tally of who's done more and who yeah. gets more and what is most fair and what is most equal. Yeah. But there is sometimes an imbalance and an inequality that comes in our relationships because of the things that life throws our way. Yeah. Um, and the, the reality is, is there might not be an opportunity for that favour to be returned. Mm. And how good would that be? Mm. Because it's not necessary. Um, and that's why I think the whole idea of keeping tallies in marriage is actually quite dangerous and destructive of, well, it's not fair because I've done too much of this and I don't think you've done enough. And um, it can just end up, yeah, being quite a negative thing. Yeah, and I just think about and when, another thing that builds resentment. Yeah, that when you had that time of struggle for you during your mental breakdown, like you were at a point where you couldn't even move yeah. physically, like you couldn't move yourself from the couch to the table if I said lunch is ready. Um, and so it was really a time for me to figure out not how can I treat you like a child, but how can I still honour you as my spouse, even though you were struggling to the point where I didn't even know if you were going to live. Like, yeah. And that was really huge. Um, so for when, when one partner is sick, when one partner is impoverished or going through like maybe a job loss would be a huge yeah. one as well. Yep. Um, and I know with COVID there's been some households where one partner's kept their job and the other hasn't and that's really caused a lot of bitterness and resentment and, and difficulty between the two. Yeah. Um, maybe even roles have changed, like one person's who's been the person who stayed home more suddenly has to step up more because and, they've yeah. got a job in an industry that can work and work better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, sickness is a huge one. Yeah. Um, finances is a big one. Um, child raising, brand new babies often take up so much time. And so I know that there's been times when you've stepped in with the other kids when I've just had that one infant with yeah. all of my attention. And as well. that can be a time where emotions are just running hot because exhaustion is out of control. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Look, we, uh, we need to take another quick break. Yeah. So we'll take a break now. Been a bit of a heavy chat. Yeah. But um, we'll come back soon. I've been held by a savior I've felt fire from above I've been down to the river I ain't the same prodigal return
FM, you're listening to The Marriage Project with Bethany and Chapo, and we're here to talk about biblical wisdom for marriage and how that translates into real life. Today, we've been talking about grace-based marriage and how when you're married, the person that you get to practice your faith on is the person that you live with. Get, get to. Get to. Yep. It is a privilege. That's right. And a great challenge to practice your faith yeah. with the person that you live with yeah, every we day, talked about that day idea, in, day yeah. out. <laughs> we talked about the idea that sometimes we give better to other people than we do to our spouse. Right. And the idea that what the Bible is calling us to and what Jesus has called us to in terms of kindness and mercy and grace-based living applies as much to our spouse as it does to anyone else. And sometimes we think it's only for out there, but it's definitely for in here as well. That's right. And we talked about how that grace plays out when one person is stronger than the other, when one person is falling down because of what life has thrown at them, and about how when you're the person who has more, that you're in a position to also give more. And it's actually a really great 
privilege to be able to bless your spouse as well. So something that I just thought of was that when Chapo's having a really tough day, when Chapo's gone, hey, things have been a bit full on and I haven't been coping, sometimes he'll come in and he'll just say, hey, hon, is it all right if I just go out fishing for a bit? Yeah. And Chapo's number one um, self-care bit of downtime is to go fishing because it's the way that his mind turns off yeah. and you sort of just have I just a bit go of out, even if it's only for 20 minutes, I'll just go stand on the jetty, flick a lure around for a little while and just take some deep breaths, calm down, sometimes catch a fish, sometimes I don't, but it's just that moment of not thinking about anything else and it's really helpful. Yeah. I usually come home a in a fair better state than I was when I, before right. I left. And for me, like... Sometimes I know that saying yes to you doing that means that I'm going to have to carry more, but I know that you're going to come back better than when you left. And so I want to be an honor to you and a gift to you so that you can be a better version of yourself because we're in this together. That's right. And so that's how I try and see it as how can I be a blessing to you? And I know that that it comes back around again that you are also trying to do your best by me as a partner and that there'll be times when you carry more than I do yeah, too. Looking and we, for times yeah. where, you know, hey, go take a break, take some time out. Yeah. It's been a tough day. Kids are feral. <laughs> and it's not about um, keeping a tally on one another, but rather going, hey, hun, this is my need. This is this is what's happening for me right now. Yeah. And then as the other partner who's not expressing the need but who's been offered the opportunity to, how can you bless your spouse? Yeah. How can you be um, generous towards your spouse yeah. as well? I think, yeah. I think it's important, important to point out, though, that it's not sustainable f- forever and to become the normal scenario. Do you know what I mean? That's right. It can't always be one that is stronger or greater than the other. And and, and I guess part of love, mercy and grace is also trying to be well, looking for ways to better yourself so that your partner doesn't have to carry too much as, you know, because that could also just become, well, they're supposed to show me grace. I've married a Christian. So <laughs> I'm just going to keep on struggling and not functioning properly and things like that. It's, it, that's not okay either. That's right. So grace isn't an excuse to not give your best to yeah. your partner. But, but in it's, fact, it's, it's a obligation to do well by your partner yeah. because God has done well by us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And grace acknowledges that life doesn't always go to plan and that life can sometimes be hard and throw curveballs at you that you don't expect. And grace is there for those moments. That's right. Yeah. So the next thing that I wanted to talk about was how we show up for each other as married people when we're living a grace-based mm, okay. marriage. Yeah. Right. So in everyday life, um, we choose how we're going to walk into the room, how we're going to show up, what we're going to bring of ourselves into a given situation. And so how do we show up as a Christian person in a marriage? What yeah. does that look like? What do we bring with us? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a text, okay? And yeah. it's, a, it's a text that I really love because I really like the way it, um, it ties into some of the conversations about what we should wear when we go to church and things like that as well. But we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> we are talking about um, about marriage and about how it applies here. But it's in Colossians chapter 3 and it's verse 12. And it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Or if you're reading the NIV, it actually says, clothe yourself in mercy. It says, In kindness, in humility, in meekness, and long-suffering, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. I love the idea that it talks about kindness, mercy, humility, long-suffering, which means suffering for a long time. (laughs) Is that also patience or is that different? Patience, yeah. yeah, It's translated as patience, in other words. But long-suffering is the more, I think, accurate term for like... (laughs) Some people would definitely say so in marriage. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but it talks about putting those things on like you would put on your clothes, you know? So thinking like, what am I putting on today? I'm putting on my socks and my shoes and my jacket, but I'm also going to put on mercy and kindness and forgiveness and not being easily offended and being quick to love and all that kind of stuff. I love the way that it puts that. And here it's talking about the church community. Here it's talking about the way that you behave with other believers and, and, people who aren't believers, but other people. But what's interesting is in this chapter, when it goes on further along, it starts talking about husbands and wives and children and families. And I think it just creates the idea that the same way you are called to show up for others, you are definitely called to show up that way in your marriage. So, Uh, Yeah, I love that idea. So, there are a handful of Bible texts that are about being a married person and a believer of God. Yes. But there is a whole Bible worth of things that teach us how to be a person of God. Yeah. And we apply that to our marriage as well as other areas of our lives. And I like how the apostle has put that into, this is what it looks like to put on these things in your life and to behave as a Christian person. And then he follows on with, in your home, that's how you do it. In your marriage, that's how you do it. As a parent, that's how you do it. And so even though there's only a small amount of texts that are applicable to marriage, all of the Bible teaching is good for how to be a married person exactly, and how to be a Christian it, person and how to be a single person or whatever walk of life you're in, be the best version of yourself as a follower of Christ. Exactly. And that's the point. I think that whatever we're called to in terms of relating to other people applies in our home. And we, we yeah, we just because we've only got a small selection of verses that specifically relate to a husband and wife relationship doesn't mean that all those other things don't apply right here. Right. And um, I love that idea of clothing yourself or getting dressed or putting on those things. Mm. Like nobody wakes up in the morning ready to walk out the door. And the people who do walk out the door straight after getting up in the morning, like they don't look that put together. (laughs) And you think, like, the more grand the occasion, the more effort and time you put into it. And you think of, like, out of all of the relationships that we invest into, marriage has got to be up there on the list, hey? Yeah, absolutely. And yet sometimes we don't treat it like it's the top of our list and sometimes we just get up and walk out the door and chuck on whatever. But really investing into and cultivating who we are in our marriage is really important. The idea here that it gives us, we're talking about putting this on or clothing yourself in these things, again, brings up the idea that we've spoken about before, but it's intentionality. Yes. Whereas um, maybe you don't have to think too hard about, you know, chucking on your trackies and your Uggs and, you know, going out the door, drop the kids off at school, hair's not done, that kind of thing. But when you go, like if we're going out on a nice date or something like that, where you take time to pick an outfit that matches and and the best shoes that you've got that go with these jeans and am I going to wear cologne so I smell good and you actually think about it and you're intentional about trying to put yourself together well, here it's that intentionality. How am I wearing mercy? How am I wearing kindness today? How is that going to actually look? How are people going to know that I'm wearing it? Like I can tell when someone's wearing a hat, you know, I can see their hat. How are people going to see the kindness and the mercy that I am wearing? And then particularly, how are you as my wife going to see that I'm wearing kindness today? Yeah, that's really cool. You know, it it reminds me as well of like the kids getting dressed in the morning and how many times you have to ask them to put their shoes on. Like, have you got your shoes on yet? Have you got your shoes on yet? I asked you five times already, put your shoes on. (laughs) And then you go into the car and you get to the destination and you're just like, where are your shoes? You had them on when you're at the front door and now we're half an hour away and you don't have them. them (laughs) And I just think that I love that 
term intentionality. And sometimes even it takes um, accountability and getting somebody else to remind you if you don't have the skills and the ability to do it yourself right. as well. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes outside of our marriage, we need those helps. Like I know that there's super amounts of value as a woman having female friends who can help me be the best version of myself as well. Yeah. And I can't always rely on you to be the one who keeps me accountable, to be the one who holds me up and to be the one who helps me to be the best version of myself. I do that through my own personal prayer life and through my own relationships with women who create a better version of me as well. Yeah, and it probably wouldn't go down too well if it was I was the one keeping you accountable to being I'd a better get wife. Real cranky, wouldn't I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you wouldn't want to receive that sort of <laughs> feedback or criticism. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to help out. Funny you said reminders, though, because I've got a reminder. In my phone, I've changed your name to Bethany, and then I've got the bunch of flowers emoji, um, mm. because that means every time I call you, I think about, when was the last time I bought you flowers? Because you love getting flowers. I do. Yeah. I do. And it's something that, like... You don't automatically think to do either. Well, like, who does? Yeah. Well, I always think every week I'm just like, oh, it'd be nice if I had some flowers on my table, but I don't All buy right. them because I'm like hoping that you'll get them. <laughs> <Okay. for me. laughs> so it's really great that you have a reminder so that I don't have to drop awkward hints or hope that you can read my mind. Like, that's really yeah. great too. Because I can't. No. And that's no. the thing as well. Like, we've been coming up 11 years of marriage now. And how many times have you read my mind in that whole time? Zero. But I I think that often we put down these tests towards our spouse where we drop these clues or we're hoping that they will read our minds or that yeah. they will give us the thing that we want because they should know us well and they should know what we want. Yep. And often we just um, end up getting ourselves really disappointed because we haven't actually made clear to them what our needs yeah, are. <laughs> whenever you are talking about someone else and the way they behave and you start it with the term, uh, wouldn't you just know or wouldn't you just expect or wouldn't- <laughs> or should. Should. Should it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's clearly like it's not helpful <laughs> um, because you don't know. We can't read minds. That's right. Yeah. We really can't. We're only human after all. Your That's spouse right. is only human after yeah. all. Well, it's time for us to take another short break. So we'll be back with you shortly on Faith FM. So sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take Him at His word Just to rest upon His promise Just to know, thus saith the Lord Plunge me, need 
Faith FM, you're listening to The Marriage Project, where we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage and how it translates into real life. I'm Bethany. And I'm Chapo. And we've been talking today about grace-based marriage. Yeah, looking at the Christian aspect of grace, the understanding of grace in relation to what has been given to us from God, and then what God has called us to do and how we treat others, but that that very much applies to the way we treat our spouse as much as anybody else. That's right, because God has given us so much in his love for us and he has been so generous towards us. How can we also be loving and generous and gracious towards our spouse? Um, So we talked about when there's an imbalance in your relationship. We talked about when one party is stronger than the other, how you can be generous and how you can be a blessing. We talked about how you can show up and, and what you should put on as you show up to your everyday life as a married person who's a Christian. Yep. And finally, we're going to talk about how to honour your spouse okay. in a grace-based marriage yeah, and what o- that looks like. Yeah. Honour and grace, how do they tie together? Yeah, so honour is really important because it's about how you treat somebody and how you view them and how you relate to them 
as a person who is a child of God okay. as well. Because your spouse isn't just only your spouse. Your spouse is God's child. Your yeah. spouse is loved by God and claimed by God and saved by God's grace as well. I've got a quote here that I want to share. Yeah. This is from Greg Smalley, who works with Focus on the Family, right? Greg but Smalley? It, yes. Okay. But it's an excellent brief statement that I think just sums things up really well. He says, Grace believes the best about your spouse. Spouse. It fights through the messiness of a particular moment or behavior and remembers that your spouse is a son or a daughter of the Most High King. Mm. And talking about honoring, I think that's really great. So, And it, it ties in grace here, that grace believes the best about your spouse, but grace helps you push through the, the moments of ugliness, the moments of, of tension and chaos and conflict to remember that we are both made in the image of God. Yes. That even in our most tense and, you know, ugly marital moments that happen, I still have to see you as God's child. You're God's daughter and I have to honour you as that in that moment. Yeah. And so part of that is um, despite how we're feeling in the moment is seeing you how God created you to be and God intended you to be even when we're struggling ourselves with the things that we're going through. So I've got a Bible verse. Are you ready? I am. It is James chapter 1 verses 19 and 20. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Okay. And I like that because, you know, there's that little um, phrase that says you have two ears and one mouth, so use them in proportion. Okay, like, yeah. I don't know exactly the wording of it, but that idea Something that, like that yeah. <laughs> do twice as much listening as speaking, and that's really hard for me because I'm such a talker. You are, um, yeah. Taught the leg off an iron pot, that's uh, me. Yeah, people might be experiencing that. This afternoon. Really? I don't know. Oh, shivers. <laughs> wow. Sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, basically do that listening to your partner. Be curious about your partner. Yeah. Um, find out what it is underneath what they're saying that they're not saying. Yeah. Listening to them, looking at their body language, tuning into them, um, being attentive in that moment and not just looking at your phone or looking at the TV or doing a whole other thing, but actually being present, being present yeah. for your spouse as well. Yeah. So you can actually hear what going on, not yes. just the way it appears on the outside. Read the, what, are the, what are those three things again? It says slow, quick, quick to listen, to hear, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Slow to anger. Yes. So yeah, quick okay. to hear and slow to speak are the kind of the opposite of each other. Yeah. But then slow to anger is another thing yeah. that's a bit different as well. Yeah. And um, this isn't the only place in scripture that it talks about being slow to anger. Yeah. I um, mean, it talks about God, God being, being slow, slow to anger, anger as well. And, and so we a, should also practice see, that. See, this is a big one for me because yeah. particularly when I am exhausted or stressed or run down, I am like, I have a short temper, you know? Yes. Um, Grumpy is your like go-to. Yeah. 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 But I say not like in a, in a, extreme way, but I just, I get grumpy. I get a bit grouchy and snappy. And so for me, it's, it's really big because I try to be as merciful as as I can, because what am I teaching our kids about a God who is slow to anger? If I go from zero to a hundred when they haven't listened to me or something like that. So it's always something I'm thinking about, like, how can I be what James is calling us to be here? Slow to anger because God is slow to anger. And I want that to be seen. 
by you and by our kids. Yeah. And part of that being slow to anger, I think, is assuming the best of your partner. Yeah. Often we judge our partner's intentions without actually knowing what our partner's intentions were yeah. in the first place. Um, so an example of that is might be we haven't been on a date night in a really long time. And so you go to the effort of booking in a table somewhere and you tell me to be there at 6 p.m. and I arrange a babysitter and we look um, we meet each other at that place at 6 p.m. And I'm sitting there at the table and I'm waiting. Yep. And you're not there yet and it's 6 p.m. And it's 10 past 6 and it's quarter past 6. And to be honest, it would probably most likely be the other way around yeah. because you're the more punctual one than yeah. I am. <laughs> but anyway, bear with me for the sake of the illustration. All right. Okay, I'm trying. And um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting there and as the minutes tick by, I'm looking at my watch and becoming more and more frustrated because I've put in the time, the effort, the money for a babysitter. I've put in the energy to look nice and not just wear a mum bun today. I thought this was going to be special and you haven't even bothered to show up. And so I'm creating this narrative in my head about why you're late, how you feel about me and the fact that you don't even care before you've even walked into the room. You show up with a bunch of flowers and you're 20 minutes late. And instead of thinking, wow, we're on a date and we're having a great time and we don't have any kids and we're enjoying our time together and you've bought me flowers, I snap at you and I say, oh, great, so you bought me flowers, you think it's going to make up for the fact that you're 20 minutes late and you don't even care about me? you're probably just fishing anyway. (laughs) So it's really important that instead of listening to those narratives that we create for ourselves out of judgment, out of insecurity, out of bad assumptions about our partner, that we try to assume the best. So instead of going, oh, he's done this because of X, Y, Z, we go, well, maybe he's just late. Well, maybe something came up. Well, maybe he got caught in traffic. And I'm not saying to be an enabler of your partner's bad choices, but to offer them grace when it's not the ordinary way well, that they behave And it as also well. gives them the opportunity to live in the truth of what's really happened because sometimes you get so quick to anger and yep. quick to judge that you create your own story for what you believe has happened. That's oh, right. it's probably this has happened because of this or they're always late because of all these other times they've been late and they've probably done something stupid and that's why they're not here and you create your own story when you haven't even had an opportunity to hear what's really happened. Yeah, well, that's part of it as well is that forgiveness means that we're not using all of the back history of our relationship to make up the story for what's happening right now yeah, as well. Right. Um, and we're not holding on to that past story and saying, you always do this. There's every single time without fail, this, this, this happens and you're letting me down. So rather than saying this always happens, just saying, hey, hun, what happened today? Rather than saying you always do this because yeah. as soon as we get off on the you always foot, we don't get anywhere with each other. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's good stuff. Um, and just coming back to that same quote again, grace believes the best about your spouse. Mm, believing the best. And yeah. L- always endeavouring to believe the best yeah. about the person. Absolutely. Not make um, again, there was another thing that came out of that article where it says, do you expect your spouse to read your mind, decode your body language and meet all your needs? <laughs> I, yep. Yeah. Sometimes I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's absolutely right. And um, so often we, we can jump to those conclusions or we can expect almost the impossible from our partner. Yeah. And part of being in a grace-based relationships is that we – allow room for them to be human, for them to make mistakes, for them to not read our minds, for them to not know and meet all our needs when they need to be met and to express. And part of that as well is that we need to be brave enough to say, hey, this is what I need from you in this moment as well. And that's vulnerable and that's scary and that's hard to do as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. And that's finding your own voice. Your own voice to actually express the needs that you have so that they have the opportunity to come and express the grace as well. That's right. Because that's the other thing. It could be the expectation that, oh, well, they'll show me grace in this situation because they're a believer and surely they know that I'm struggling because of all these um, invisible messages that I'm sending and signs that I'm showing them. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, find your voice. Which I guess Speak your needs. I guess that comes back to our first point when it talks about that imbalance. Like if you have some sort of secret information, don't hold it over your spouse, but let them in on it and say, hey, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is how I would like to be loved by you. It's like with the kids. What what are we always telling the kids? Like they're upset about something and they go straight to either crying or screaming or punching. We say, use your words. Use your words. Use your words. (laughs) Yeah. Because you've got words and we need those words to understand what's going on. That's right. So So it's really important that we – open those channels of communication because communication is the pathway to love and to being loved in our relationships as well. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's about all that we've got to talk about when it comes to grace-based relationships today. Um, It's been really great to think about how as followers of Jesus, we accept the grace of Jesus and then we live it out in our relationship with yep, one another. that's right. And how we take all those principles of the way that Jesus has called us to live and apply them not just to the outside world, but apply them first to our own home. Yeah. How we treat the important. people that we love the most, the best. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And so I want to put a challenge out to you who are listening today that um, wherever you go with your spouse, um, just be kind to them, be generous to them, be gracious towards them. Think about how if you're the person who is in the greater amount of privilege, you can be more gracious and be a blessing to yep. them. Think about how you can show up and what you're going to put on yep. when you show up with your spouse. That's it. Think about the way that you can speak the things that you need and, and use your voice to, to express what's going on in your life. And how you can assume the best assume of the your best. spouse as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. And it is my prayer that you will have a grace-based marriage and that you'll be blessed because you're practicing grace in your home space as well. Well, thanks for being with us this afternoon. You're listening to Faith FM, and we have been The Marriage Project.